anybody that wants one. Um, and you can take that home because we are going to be uh, digging into the book of Acts. The name of the series is called Kingdom Come. I'm Ben, by the way. Um, if you're if you're new to Valley Town, we we have a pretty cool story. Um, God led my wife and I to move to Wilmington um, and start Valley Town back in December 2010, and then that led to kind of a, a year of crazy stuff, including some miraculous things that God did to sort of pave the way. And then um, we moved up in um, the very beginning of 2012. And we launched, we started Valley Town last year um, on Easter. And so last Mother's Day was our smallest, uh, or, or yeah, our smallest attendance in the history of Valley Town. We had like 18 people here. Uh, some of you were here for that Sunday, a few of you. And it was like, where is everybody? It was the most awkward day ever for me because we're in... Memorial Hall in this massive room and there's like, you know, and like 10 of those people were children. And so it was like, there's like me and seven people, you know, sitting in the room. But anyway, we've had a pretty cool story. Um, we have, this is our sixth location that we've met in so far. And, um, and God's always been faithful. We've met all over the place, parks and that kind of thing. And it's possible that we, we won't be here for much longer, but that's okay because we don't really have room in this building anyway. I mean, we don't even have a nursery anymore, so sorry about that. Don't worry about the crying babies. It's not a big deal. It doesn't bother me. Um, but we are going to hopefully have somewhere else in the next few months. You can be praying about that. We don't know where it's going to be, but God has something for us. Um, but anyways... The, as we start this new series, I want us to think about that the book of Acts is actually um, kind of about church planting. Um, so our story is not the first cool church planting story. The, the book of Acts is actually all about the church beginning. And it's going to cover like the first 30 years of the church. Um, the book of Acts was written by Luke, the same guy who wrote the Gospel of Luke, and he wrote both letters to his buddy named Theophilus, which that's a, if anybody's looking for a good name for a baby, Theophilus, I'm thinking, is perfect. Um, he wrote, wrote to his buddy Theophilus, and um, it, apparently it was written about 62, or A.D. 62 um, covers, like I said, 30 years, so it covers the history from about A.D. 30 to AD 62. Um, and it's basically about two main characters, Peter and Paul, but there's a lot of other characters in there. And it's going to, and it's going to follow them as they go and they start the church. So, um, we'll see that whenever they went to a place and a city or a town, and they clearly preached the gospel, People's lives were changed by the power of the gospel. And then, then folks would start to follow Jesus. They would become disciples. And, and then a church was born out of that. Because um, what we, we call this a gathering. We don't call this what we do on Sundays church. Because we say that the church is really the people of God. The church is not a building. 
It's not a location, thank goodness, because that we would be all jacked up. Um, it's, it's, not an event, it's, not, it's not an event that lasts for two hours, because if that was the case, then what, then what significance has, you know, is, is there for the rest of the week? The church is the people of God. It's, the, it's, it's disciples of Jesus. And so we call this the gathering because what, what this is, this is just a chance for the church to all get together and hang out and be encouraged and learn and that kind of thing. So this is the gathering. This is not church. Um, all right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the first 11 verses, uh, 10 verses, 11, yeah, 11 verses. And then I'm going to go back up to the top. So if you have a Bible, follow along with me. Acts chapter 1. I'm going to read it kind of quickly because I'm going to come back and hit each verse individually. So it says, In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up. After he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. All right, so... This is the beginning of a very action-packed book. Uh, we're going to see imprisonment and es- escapes from prison. We're going to see murder. We're going to see stonings. We're going to see um, miraculous things happen. People be being brought back to life from the dead. We're going to see angels appearing. I mean, this book is absolutely packed uh, with, with action. And it starts out um, pretty action-packed. I mean, Jesus... Uh, floats into the sky and disappears into heaven. So that's pretty cool. But he starts out saying, he's talking to his buddy, Theophilus. And he says in the first book, O Theophilus, I've dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. So this is what Luke's saying. He says, the gospel of Luke, the the first letter I wrote to you was, was about all that Jesus began to do and teach. What he's saying is, I'm, a, I'm about to write to you about what he's been doing after, after he was taken up into heaven. So, so the book of Acts, even though it starts out with Jesus ascending into heaven, it's still really all about what Jesus is doing. It's just about what Jesus is doing seated on a throne instead of what Jesus is doing walking around on the earth. We know that he's seated on a throne. In Revelation 3.21, he says, I conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. So we know that, that that's where he is. Just because Jesus is taken up into heaven does not mean that he's done a work 
with his work on the earth. Far from it. Far from it. Um, so what's he doing now? And that, and that is going to be answered as we go through the book of Acts. Um, you won't understand this book unless you read it in light of John 14, 12 through 14. And this is when Jesus is hanging out with his, with his disciples um, the night that he's going to be arrested to be put on trial, to be crucified. And he's at the Last Supper with them, and he is giving them all kinds of really important instruction. And he says to them that night, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. That's, that's a big deal since his disciples have been following him around. They've seen him do insane stuff, okay? Insane stuff. And he's like, you'll do the same stuff that I, that I do. And he says, and even greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. So then he says, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. And then in John 16, verse 7, this is part of the same dinner. He says, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. It's to your advantage. So what we see happen here in the very beginning of the book of Acts is advantageous to us to these disciples that watched it happen, this was good. You know, they were tempted to feel like, man, he's gone. Like, our leader, he's gone. But Jesus knew that they would feel that way, so in advance he says, no, this is to your advantage. This is going to be good for you. Because if I don't go away, if I don't go to see my Father, then I can't send the Helper to you, who's the Holy Spirit. So, not to spoil too much of the story, but this book is going to be all about what average, ordinary folks look like when they've been empowered by the Holy Spirit to go and take the message of Jesus to people. And, and so, there's going to be all this insane stuff, but, but we have to remember, they're just regular folks. They're just like us. There's absolutely nothing that's incredible about these people. It's, it's the fact that God has empowered them through the Holy Spirit. So keep that in mind. When we remember that, we're going to read the book of Acts and we're going to be like, what? Why in the world haven't I ever raised anybody from the dead? Like, why in the world? Why? why? We're going to see these incredible, and, and it's going to stretch our faith, and I'm excited about it. Um. So this entire book is possible because Jesus is seated on a throne. He has sent his spirit, the Holy Spirit, to us. And, and then everything starts to change. Did you notice that in John 14, he says, Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. And you'll see this trend as we go through the book that, that people are doing things in the name of Jesus. 
Like there's one story that I cannot wait to get to where Peter and John tell this guy in the name of Jesus, he's, he's a lame man, he couldn't walk. And they say, in the name of Jesus, get up. And they pull him up by the hand, which if you pull a guy up by the hand who can't walk, who can't use his legs, and he's not healed, it's going to go really badly. So they had some incredible faith. Like they knew, they knew he's going to be healed. Let's go for it. And they, and, they, and they acted in faith. They were doing things in Jesus' name, not using in Jesus' name like, like magic words. Sometimes we finish our prayers like in Jesus' name, amen. And we'd have no idea what we're talking about. It's not magic words. In Jesus' name means my identity is, is in Jesus, and I represent him. The Bible calls us ambassadors. Ambassadors are representatives of someone else. And you guys will remember that at the end of the book of Matthew, we talk about this a lot, Jesus commissions his disciples by saying, all authority in heaven and on earth and under the earth is given to me. I've got all the authority. Now, in that authority, go make disciples. He commissions them to go and act in his authority. The same way that David, who's a police officer, he doesn't have in and of himself authority. But because he operates under the law, he operates as an agent of the law, then in that sense, yes, he has authority to use the law to apply the law, and if he tells you stop in the name of the law, which I don't think that's how they do it anymore, but, <laughs> but if he was to tell you that, you'd have to stop because he's operating as an agent of the law. He's operating in the authority of the law. Well, we don't have any authority in and of ourselves. Jesus has all authority. He says, I have all the authority in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Then he goes, but you go, you go make disciples, and I'll be with you always. That's how he ends it. I'll be with you wherever you go. So he actually sends us out to represent him. Isn't that, that's pretty cool. And, and see, that these guys got it. And that's why they could walk up and, and in such faith go, okay, stand up and walk. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. In his authority, it's like, in the name of Jesus, it's like saying, in the name of the law. Does that make sense? That's pretty cool. So that's what this is talking about when he says, anything that you ask in my name, I will do it. It's not Peter and John who do the healing. It's Jesus. He's just representing Jesus. They're representing Jesus. We have the same opportunity isn't that awesome? That just makes life a lot less boring. I think, anyway. So, so we don't use Jesus' name like magic words. We just recognize that Jesus has all the authority in heaven and on earth. And if it's something that he wants, he will do it. This doesn't mean, in Jesus' name, I need a new Ferrari. I mean, it's like, does he want you to have a new Ferrari? Probably not. So it, you're not acting really as his representative. 
So th- this isn't just like a, you can't just get rich because you said in Jesus' name, I want. No, that's not something that he would ask for for you. If, if it's something that he wants, if you are asking for something that he, that agrees with the kingdom of heaven. We're going to get into the kingdom of heaven in just a minute. Can you guys tell I'm really excited this morning? I love the book of Acts. Um, so, so verse 3, it says, He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Okay, so Jesus hangs out on the earth after he has ascended, I mean, after he has risen from death. He hangs out for 40 days before he ascends into heaven. So he's got 40 days. That's a limited amount of time. And I would be willing to bet that Jesus used his time wisely. He's Jesus. So I'm pretty sure he used that 40 days wisely. Um, In that 40 days, what this says right here is, if you want to summarize what he was doing, it says that he was talking to them about the kingdom of God. So the kingdom of God is really important because he starts out his public ministry in Matthew 4.17, preaching, repent, for the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is at hand. Kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, synonymous terms, is at hand. In other words, it's close by. It's within grasp. You can reach out. You can live within the kingdom. That's what he's saying. But repent. You can't live within the kingdom if you don't turn to follow him. The reason is because the kingdom is where God's will is done. Did, did anybody here grow up learning the, the, um, Jesus' prayer, the Lord's prayer, the, the, probably in the old King James, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. We say that prayer because Jesus taught his disciples that prayer. He, was, he, he wasn't meaning, like, whenever you pray, pray these words. He was showing them what it looks like to pray. He was teaching them about prayer. So we don't just say those words, you know, mindlessly. But what he's saying, we might not catch what he's saying. He's saying, he's saying, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When he says, your kingdom come, that's what he's saying. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, in heaven, God's will is always done. Always. Perfectly. There is no sin. There is no rebellion against God. His will is always perfectly done. On earth, it's not. Because of the curse of sin. The Bible says he is not willing that any should perish. He doesn't desire for anyone to perish. And yet, people do. His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, yes, God's sovereign. I'm not getting into his sovereignty. In the end, it will all turn out like he wants it to. I promise you. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about... In, in instances, it's never his will for you to sin. So we pray, 
God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want things in my life to go just as they would as if I was in heaven. And that's what it looks like to live in the kingdom of God. And so when we talk about furthering the kingdom of God, what we're talking about is more folks saying, yeah, I want to live in the will of God. And when people start to do that, we actually get a glimpse of heaven on earth. When a bunch of people start to live within the will of God, they start to live on earth as it is in heaven, then you get a glimpse of heaven. It's not perfect, but it's better than normal. Okay, we can at least know that. So, Start living your life according to his will. And you can't do that if you don't know his will, which has been revealed to us through his word. So read this book because it is really good. And then you will know his will and you can start to live according to it. And you can start to live within the kingdom. Jesus was our first and perfect example of what it looks like to live within the kingdom. He lived within the kingdom. Everything he did was within the will of God perfectly. And so he is the the perfect example of that. And then we're going to see the book of Acts is our example of some regular folks who aren't God, living, empowered by God in the will of God, and therefore living in the kingdom. All right, so I got to... Keep going. Acts 1, 4 through 5. It says, And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So there's this incredible mission field out there at this point. Not many followers of Jesus. And Jesus says, Don't go into the mission field yet really interesting. Lots of people don't follow Jesus. Tons. I mean, most people. And he says, hang on a minute. Don't go into the mission field yet. Don't go tell people about me yet. Wait. What in the world? Don't don't go? And it seems crazy unless you understand how important the Holy Spirit is. That we actually cannot do any good without him. We need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is like, you're going to waste your time. Don't go. Wait until you receive the Holy Spirit. So, moving on. The next verses, 6 through 8. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you this time restore the kingdom to Israel? They're so confused. Love that. He says to them, It's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by His own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You'll receive power. Power here means the ability to produce change. If you are powerless in a situation, it means that you cannot change the situation. What Jesus is saying is that you will receive the ability to produce change. Now, what is God concerned with when it comes to change? He's concerned with the hearts of men and women 
He's concerned with whether or not we have put our faith in Jesus. He's concerned with whether or not we have turned from our way of doing life, turned from our sin to follow Jesus. That's the kind of change that he's concerned with. That's what he's talking about. You will receive power, the ability to influence, the ability to produce change when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. He's saying, look, if you want to make a difference in the world for the kingdom of heaven, for the kingdom of God, you'll need the Holy Spirit. And when you receive the Holy Spirit, you will be able to influence for the kingdom of God. All right. In John 20, verse 21, Jesus says, As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. So keep that in mind. This is for all of us. This is for all of us. As we, as we read these stories, this is not just about them. This is for all of us. When Jesus says, go make disciples, he's talking to all of us. When he says, I am sending you, he is talking to all of us. He's not meaning I am sending you to go to attend a church on Sunday or a gathering every week. That's not... That's just one tiny little bitty fraction of what this life is about. It's a tiny fraction. If this is all of your experience of following Jesus, then let me just tell you, there's a whole world out there of following Jesus that goes between Monday and Saturday. And so don't let Sunday be the only day that you follow Jesus. So... He's sending us. But he's saying, but don't go until you have power from the Holy Spirit. So what will we actually do with that power? What will we actually do with the power we receive from the Holy Spirit that will produce a change? Acts 1.8 says at the end of the verse, You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You will be my witnesses. It means that I'm going to give you the power to testify about what you know to be true. That's what a witness does, right? This isn't rocket science. A witness just stands and testifies to the truth. Well, If you are a follower of Jesus, then what you know to be true is that Jesus came. He lived a sinless life. He died a death that he didn't deserve to take on our sins so that we could be forgiven. He took those sins with him to the grave. He conquered sin and death. And then three days later, he rose from death, the victor over our greatest enemy. And then he ascended into heaven and he sits on a throne and he's worthy of our worship and he's worthy of our lives. If you're a follower of Jesus, you know that to be true. And if you follow him, you see him at work in your life. Little things, they don't all have to be big, huge things. They can be little things. And you see him at work, so testify to people about Jesus. Be a witness for Jesus. But you need the Holy Spirit's power. Otherwise, you'll be speaking and it's just going to be empty words. 
You need the Holy Spirit to give you the power to do this. That was awesome. (laughs) That was good. Um, So you need to wait because you need the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit because you need power. You need power because you need to be a witness. And you need to be a witness because if you will tell the world about what Jesus has done, it will change lives. And people will turn and believe and follow him and walk in his ways. And the kingdom of God will go forth. There is no reason for us to be silent. But if we have fear, if we fear people and their opinions. What we need is power from the Holy Spirit. Because what we see is that when people are empowered by the Holy Spirit, they go out boldly sharing about Jesus. And so if you are afraid, join the club. It is not, it's not easy for anybody But when you receive power, you will go out with boldness. So pray. Ask for boldness. Ask for the Holy Spirit. Because the Bible says that if anybody asks, he'll give us the Holy Spirit. All right, so when we we share the gospel with someone and they have the opportunity to believe, if they turn and believe and put their faith in Jesus then they become a follower of Jesus or a disciple. We talk about disciples a lot here because that's what, that's what it's called. That's what a, a follower of Jesus is called. A disciple is someone who leads others to follow Jesus as they follow Jesus. A disciple is someone who leads others to follow Jesus as they follow Jesus. Leading others to follow Jesus is not like optional it's not optional in the bible i know that, that might be scary but it shouldn't be because the holy spirit will do this through you you if you are a disciple of jesus then it is your responsibility to make others disciples of jesus so a disciple is Someone who leads others to follow Jesus as they follow Jesus. And we want to see all of southern Vermont filled with disciples of Jesus. Can you imagine that? It's very, very possible. It is very possible. But it's not possible just for that to happen because of this gathering. This is possible if... We, the church, don't see this as a landing zone, but as a launching pad. We have got to shift the thinking. Yeah, invite people here. That's that's awesome. That is awesome. But think of this as a launch pad. So see yourself as an agent of Jesus. If you are a disciple of Jesus, then you've been commissioned. You've been sent. Pray to be empowered. And then go and tell people about Jesus. Make 
disciples. Lead others to follow Jesus as you follow Jesus. If you aren't leading others to follow Jesus, you've got to. I don't know what else to say. You've got to. (laughs) Get to. You get to. Maybe that's a better way of saying it. You get to. It is awesome. All right. So he says, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So Jerusalem is the city where they were. So it's like he's saying, look. He's saying, look, don't stop making disciples just here, just where you live. Don't only worry about Wilmington. Don't only worry about the valley. He says, but also in Judea, that's the region surrounding them. So he's saying, also think about all of southern Vermont. Think about New England, Samaria. Samaria was like the people they didn't want to go to. So I don't know who that is for you. Maybe it's a neighbor who is really cranky. I don't know. But it's, it's even those people. It's even the ones you don't want to go to. That's your Samaritan. And then to the end of the earth. So he's like, and everywhere else. Just to make sure that you don't have any excuses everywhere. We need to make disciples everywhere. We need to be concerned about this. This, I'm talking to us, church. We need to be concerned about this as well. This is not just about this valley. Yeah, this is our primary focus. This is where we're really focusing right now. Southern Vermont. But we also need to think globally. And that's something that I really, I want us as a church to grow in that area and love for those who don't have access to the gospel. And there are still a lot of people who don't. And there are ways that we can contribute to that. And we do contribute to that. And we, we, the, we as a church um, are supporting a work, a few works overseas right now. But I want us to really grow in that. We need to have a concern for the nations, for the ends of the earth. So, then he goes on and it goes on and says, And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. You know what stands out to me in this passage? Is that Jesus is ascending into heaven. So he's been gone for about 33 years. He's coming back. And I'm just, I'm using my imagination here, but I think that there was some celebrating going on in heaven at this point. Like some big, they weren't just like, oh, hey, Jesus, you're back. Oh, cool. Yeah, seats still not taken over there, you know. No, I think that there was a huge celebration when Jesus came back. The book of Hebrews actually gives us just a a glimpse into what happened. He actually went into the temple that's in heaven and like sprinkled his blood on the altar. Like sacrifice done forever. There's this probably, it was probably awesome. But here's my point. A lot's going on in heaven and yet God doesn't forget about us down here. Like as soon as Jesus is taken up, There's probably this sinking feeling if you're standing there watching. Like, oh man, he really, he really left. 
He really did. We're alone. That's it. But only for like a split second, because like as soon as you're thinking that, all of a sudden there's these guys in white robes. I don't know if they're angels. I don't know if they were, I don't know who they were, but they were not earthly. They're standing there in white robes, and they're like, what are you guys looking at? <laughs> and, and they're going, well, we were watching Jesus. He just, did you miss that? Jesus just left. And they're going, what are you staring into heaven for, though? He's coming back. You know what they're saying? The story's not over. The story's just getting good. There's work to do. Jesus just ascended into heaven because he's going to sit on the throne. He's going to rule and he's going to send you the Holy Spirit. Don't stand there like that's it, like that's the end. The story's just getting started. And that's true for us. It's just getting started. And the coffee is done. Yeah. This story in Acts is our story. We are the church. The book of Acts is the story of our beginnings. This is our history. This isn't some far removed story. This is our history. So let me just encourage you this morning. The story isn't over. It's far from over. It's just getting good. I want us to join the story, to be empowered by the Spirit, and to go and be His witnesses and to see lives changed forever. I want to see, I really believe we're going to see Southern Vermont filled with disciples of Jesus. So, guys, believe it. Believe it. Let's pray and ask God to give us His Spirit. We need His Spirit. We can't, we can't do this without His Spirit. And then let's go and be bold witnesses and just tell people about Jesus. And we'll become part of the story. We're already part of the story. That's exciting to me. We're part of this story. This morning, if... If you're listening to this and you're like, man, I want, I want to be part of the story. I want in. But there's a part of you that knows that you don't really know Jesus. You haven't really put your faith in Jesus and what he accomplished when he died on that cross. When he took our sins upon himself, took our punishment so that we could be forgiven if you haven't put your faith in him and the fact that he rose from the dead to turn and follow him, I just want to give you a chance to do that this morning. There might just be one of you, two of you, I don't know, but I just feel, I wasn't planning on even going into this, but it, if you are here this morning and you go, I want to lead others to follow Jesus as I follow Jesus, but I have not truly turned to follow Jesus. And I want to this morning. I just want to give you an opportunity to respond in faith. I'm going to pray. I don't have any plans for how to do this. I'm just going to pray. In the band, you guys can come on up. And 
And then I'm going to go to the back of the room. And if you want to follow Jesus, as soon as we start worship, just get out of your chair and come talk to me. Does that sound like a deal? If you want to follow Jesus, come talk to me today. Today is the day of salvation, the Bible says. Don't wait till tomorrow. It might not come. Remember what the guy said? He's coming back in the same way that he left. So tomorrow might not come. I I don't know. This might be your last chance. Just saying. Let me pray. You guys pray with me. And then we'll continue in worship. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you so much for this family, your church. God, I thank you for what you're doing in in southern Vermont. I thank you for what you're doing all over the state. You are at work in this region. And God, I believe that you're at work in hearts this morning. I believe that it's very possible that there's someone here this morning who's thinking, I want to follow Jesus. Somebody just tell me what to do. And if that's you this morning, it's as simple as receiving a gift by faith. There's no magic words. It's about turning from doing life your way and turning to follow him, to do life his way, and to put all your trust in Jesus. This morning, if that's you, then just right now, I just give you a few moments to just silently pray and talk to him and, and share your heart with God. You know what? There's no fancy words. Just speak what's on your heart and receive that gift of forgiveness through Jesus right now.